You're listening to Wide Margins, episode 58, The Only Ones Going to Heaven. I'm going to open this episode with a joke. Uh, Don't get excited. It's not very funny, and I'm not telling it for the purposes of comedy. Uh, It's a great illustration of a concept that I want to introduce and discuss in this episode. And you've probably heard the joke before. I've heard it way too many times, more times than I would like to count. And uh, just recently, somebody else told it to me, and it gave me the idea uh, for this episode. The joke kind of goes like this. This is one of the incarnations of the joke, anyway. Uh, A person dies, goes to heaven, meets Peter at the pearly gates, and uh, Peter asks him his religious affiliation. And so the guy says, I'm a Baptist. And so he says, well, uh, that's room 58. Uh, Follow me this way, but when you pass by room 8, be very quiet as you do so. Another guy dies. He goes to heaven. He meets Peter. Peter asks him his religious affiliation, and he tells Peter that he's a Catholic. He says, well, that's room 24. Uh, Follow me, but be very quiet as we pass room 8. And another guy dies, and let's say he's a, a Jew. And uh, he says, well, that's room 16. Uh, Follow me as we pass room 8. Be very quiet. And finally, someone asks, well, why do we have to be so quiet when we pass room 8? And Peter says, well, in that room, that's the Church of Christ, and they think they're the only ones here. Have you heard that one before? I've heard that joke so many times. Uh, it, It really has started to irritate me. I will say this that uh, when I went online to look for the official version of this joke, I couldn't find a single example with Church of Christ in the punchline. Instead, there were a lot of other religious, pretty much every religious group you can think of, uh, some not even Christian groups, but I couldn't find an example of the Church of Christ. That's not to say that you can't Google it right now and find one. I just couldn't find it, so maybe it's not just used exclusively for us, but I've heard it many times used as a jab to get at us and, and to, um, uh, to criticize us for a misunderstanding about what we teach and practice. More bluntly, it's been put this way. You think you're the only ones going to heaven, and I've heard that one before many times too. It's a loaded accusation. It's meant to be emotional. It's not really based on anything rational, not based on any evidence. I've looked and looked and looked through literature produced by the Churches of Christ over many, many years, and I have yet to find somebody explicitly say, we think we're the only ones going to heaven. Now, that's not to say that I've never detected attitudes to that end, or that I've never met people who think that. I have, unfortunately, but in terms of explicitly printing that, I haven't yet found it, and maybe somebody will hear this and say, I can put my fingers on that right now and send it on to me. That's fine, you can do that. Uh, That still doesn't legitimize the position. Now, uh, before I get into addressing it, let me just say this. It is controversial to say that you think you're the only ones going to heaven, but it's not uncommon. Uh, Just about everybody believes themselves to be a part of a group who thinks They are the only ones going to heaven. Uh, They may not believe they're part of a denomination that think they're the only ones going to heaven, but a part of a group. Uh, Everybody, except maybe 
universalists who believe that everybody's going to heaven or atheists who believe that nobody's going to heaven thinks this. Now, maybe they're a Christian and they believe it in the sense of John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, That's an exclusive statement by the Lord saying, unless you obey the gospel and uh, become a part of me, a part of my body, come to the Father through me as mediator and high priest, you cannot go to heaven. Uh, That is an exclusive statement, and Christians who know that verse and believe that verse believe they're the only ones going to heaven. They do. They may not like to say it. They may not enjoy that idea, but if they believe John 14, 6, they believe it. There are other world religions who believe that. Not all, but there are world religions that believe, uh, Muslims, for example, that they're the only ones going to heaven. That unless you espouse Islam, you are an infidel and headed for hell in a bad, bad way. Uh, then there are people who just generally believe that, you know, bad people go to hell and good people go to heaven. Anybody who believes in hell in the afterlife believes they are part of a group who are the only ones going to hell or a part of a group who are the only ones going to heaven. So it's a controversial statement. But it's not an uncommon statement. A lot of people believe something to the effect that they are the only ones going to heaven. Now, with that said, maybe you think you've heard a member of the Church of Christ say that they think their little denomination are the only ones going to heaven, that everybody else is going to hell. And if you've heard that, or if you think you've heard that, what you've probably heard, what I hope you have heard, is them speaking in terms, in non-denominational terms, that you misunderstood because we live in a world full of denominations, full of Christians subdividing themselves off from the whole and specifying the kind of Christianity they are a part of. You're a part of that religious landscape, and it's hard for you to hear language otherwise. And what you've probably heard is a Christian using exclusive terminology in a non-denominational sense. It's really hard to fight that denominational uh, terminology. If somebody asks you, for example, uh, what religion are you, and you answer, I'm a Christian, they're usually not satisfied with that answer. They want to know, what kind of a Christian are you? You know, finish answering the question. And if you continue to insist, you're just a Christian, they'll think you're crazy. You're not, you're avoiding the question or something like that. Um, Members of the Church of Christ, not all of them, unfortunately, but hopefully most of them speak of the Church of Christ using non-denominational terminology. In other words, they use the terminology you can find in the New Testament, which speaks in general of Christians washed by the blood of the Lamb added to the body of Christ, who are members of the Church of Christ, members of a non-denominational body. They speak generally of that. So if you've ever heard somebody say, the Church of Christ is the only one going to heaven, I hope what you heard was them saying the same thing as, Christians are the only ones going to heaven. Or you need to be in Christ to go to heaven. You need to be a Christian to be saved. I hope that's what you heard. And not somebody claiming that their small little denomination is the only denomination of 
thousands that God has elected to go to heaven. Uh, if you've heard that, that kind of language is wrong, and that person uh, is not representative of the fellowship that I am a part of, uh, the churches of Christ, as I know them. Now, this phrase, if you don't like that, let me just say this. This phrase, Church of Christ, has long been regarded as an appropriate phrase to refer to Christians in general. Not just people of my fellowship, but by all people professing Christianity throughout the ages, starting with the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 16, verse 16, Paul says, The churches of Christ salute you, or all the churches of Christ greet you. He's not using that in a denominational sense. There were no denominations. There were no different kinds of Christians back then. There were just New Testament Christians. Just You were just a Christian. And what he means is, all of these local churches that I have fellowshiped with and visited and taught and in some cases established and been with and approved, these churches, these local congregations all over the lands that I've been visiting on my missionary journeys, they send greetings to the church that is at Rome. These are the churches of Christ. These are Christians in general, worshiping in various places. Uh, so beginning with the Bible, in Romans 16, 16, we can see that kind of language used. But that's not the only place. Even members of denominations throughout time have agreed that this is an appropriate way to refer to the church. And I'll give you a few examples this is not a comprehensive list. It's just a list that I was able to put together pretty quickly by going through some uh, books in my library and Googling some things. But uh, it's enough to illustrate what I'm talking about. Uh, the first example comes from Martin Luther and his 95 Theses. The 95 Theses were debates for proposition that Martin Luther nailed to the cathedral doors of the church in Wittenberg, Germany uh, in... Um, October of 1517, a very important pivotal moment in uh, Christian history. Uh, Luther eventually came, became the founder of the Lutheran Church. It bears his name. Uh, many people call him the father of all denominations. Uh, he certainly is the father of Protestantism. Uh, I don't know the debates out about whether he ever wanted denominations to form, but still, there's a denomination that bears his name. He certainly believed in splitting with the Catholic Church, and uh, he he lived in uh, at the forefront of the denominational era. So in the 95 Theses, he addresses the sacrament of holy orders, whereby the Catholic Church would ordain bishops, priests, and others, saying this, Of this sacrament, the Church of Christ knows nothing. It was invented by the Church of the Pope. So he contrasts the Church of Christ with the Church of the Pope. Was he speaking of a denomination called the Church of Christ? Was he speaking of that group? No, he was speaking of the Church of Christ as the true distinctive Church of the New Testament of Christians in general, and he's contrasting that by the invention of the Church of the Pope, the Roman Catholic Church, which he ceased to recognize as the true church. Uh, he's using that term in a non-denominational way. 
Here's an example from John Calvin in his commentary on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. He says, By baptism we are engrafted into the body of Christ, so that we are bound together, joined each to the other as members, and live the one life. Therefore he who wants to remain in the church of Christ must necessarily devote himself to this fellowship. So John Calvin, the father of the Presbyterians and uh, Baptists, Methodists, and many, many other denominations, telling everybody that they need to devote themselves to the Church of Christ as a denomination? Of course not. What he's talking about is the body of Jesus Christ described in the New Testament. He's just speaking in a non-denominational sense. Here's an example from the Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon's sermons are widely known and distributed and copied. Uh, Many people study them in homiletics. Uh, He was uh, really highly regarded among Baptists back in his day. And in one of his sermons, he says, O rest of the righteous, how blessed you are, where families shall again be bound up in one embrace, where parted friends shall again meet to part no more, and where the whole church of Christ, united in one mighty circle, shall together praise God and the Lamb throughout eternal ages. Is he talking about a denomination called the Church of Christ, this Baptist guy? No, he's talking about the Church of Christ united in a mighty circle in terms of the church that Jesus died for. Just Christians in general. Here's a more recent example from Billy Graham, another really uh, well-recognized, highly recognized uh, Baptist preacher. Angel hosts have witnessed the formation of the Church of Christ Jesus and have watched the walk of each believer as the Lord worked His grace, love, and power into each life. The angels are observing firsthand the building of the body of the true church in all places of His dominion this very hour. Now, in this quotation, Billy Graham calls the Church of Christ Jesus the true church. So, is he saying, I've been a a fraud my whole life uh, being a member of the Baptist church, And uh, I'm recognizing here and now, I'm stepping out and I'm saying that the Baptist church is a fraud and the denomination called the Church of Christ is the true church in all places. Uh, They are the only ones going to heaven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that behind all these denominations is a true church. And, you know, the real difference between something I might preach and what he's saying here is that I don't believe you have to be a member of the denomination. Uh, I don't think you have to become a member of a denomination. I believe that you can just simply be in that one true church and not have to divide yourself off from the whole like that. Here's Graham in another place. God's light shines upon our hearts to determine who comprises the true church of Christ. Same sentiments are expressed there. Here's an example from Presbyterian author Tim Keller. The church of Jesus Christ is therefore like the ocean. It is enormous and diverse. I realize how risky it is to tell my readers that they should seek out a church. I don't do it lightly, and I urge them to do so with the utmost care, but there is no alternative. Now, I don't don't agree with what he is hinting at here because uh, he describes the church of Christ as an ocean, and then goes on to say that his readers need to seek out a church. Uh, if I were to reword that, I would say seek out the church. I mean, why do you need to pick a kind of church? Look for the church 
of Jesus Christ that you're talking about. It's out there. You can find it. But he's not using Church of Christ in a denominational sense. He's just suggesting that there's no way to find just the true church. You've got to find some kind of a version of it. Here's the Baptist preacher John Piper on Colossians 1.24. These words have filled me, he says, with longing for the church of Jesus Christ. And then one last example from John MacArthur. In Romans 16, 16, Paul says, The churches of Christ greet you. There was a oneness with each local congregation being independent, yet there was a oneness. And they were composed of all kinds of believers, Jews, Gentiles, all classes of believers, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, all the spectrum of society, and all were functioning together, ministering together as one. And the only organizational structure they had, the only form they had, was that which was instituted by the Holy Spirit. I, I read that and I'm really amazed that MacArthur is such a strong Baptist because uh, he's speaking of the churches of Christ in a non-denominational sense and seems to be very fond of the way things are structured then. Uh, why not seek out structure like that now? Perhaps he thinks it's impossible. There's too much water under the bridge. That may be my, may be my difference with him, but my difference with him is not in the way that he uses the term Church of Christ. He may think that I use it differently, but I don't. I seek to use this phrase in the same way that it's used throughout these examples that I just gave, going all the way back to Romans chapter 16, verse 16, which is not to refer to a denomination, but to refer to the body of Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus built, the church you can read about in the New Testament. So, I don't ever phrase it this way, but if I were to say the Church of Christ are the only ones going to heaven, I wouldn't mean my small denomination subdivided off from Christianity are the only ones going to heaven. What I would mean if I were to say it that way, and I wouldn't because I'd be misunderstood for sure, is that Christians go to heaven. That Jesus saves people, and those people, because of the redeeming power of His blood, are going to heaven. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I were to say that, that's what I would mean in saying that. Now, we've talked about the problem here. I, I need to address another part of the problem. One, one of the problems I said is that we live in a denominational world and it's hard to understand people who are speaking in non-denominational terminology any other way. It's hard to understand them. Even if they mean it in a non-denominational way, it's not always interpreted that way. Now, another part of the problem is that many members of the Church of Christ unfortunately do use the phrase Church of Christ in a denominational way. Now, they may not say the Church of Christ is the only ones going to heaven, but they use the term Church of Christ in a denominational way, which destroys our ability to speak as the Bible speaks. It really hurts our influence in the world and makes people misunderstand what we stand for. And I've heard many examples of this, and you have too, and what I'm talking about is when somebody says, I'm Church of Christ, and I've always been Church of Christ, and my mama was Church of Christ, and my daddy was Church of Christ, and I'll always be Church of Christ. When they use the term like that, not only is that grammatically improper, it's theologically improper. It's not biblically proper to speak of the Lord's church that way because you're using uh, a phrase to subdivide yourself off from the whole of Christianity. 
Just like saying, well, that's Church of Christ doctrine, or he's a Church of Christ preacher, or that's the way the Church of Christ has done it since I was a child. Uh, whenever you speak like that, you're, you're giving in to denominational terminology. And I know that it's really hard not to, but we have to resist it if we're going to preserve what the New Testament teaches about the simplicity of the Lord's Church. We can still do it, but we've got to change the way that we talk. Hopefully that's cleared the air a little bit. I want to end this episode with an article written by Cecil May. It was published in the most recent uh, edition of the Gospel Advocate, and it's entitled, I Am a Christian. And I just think this is really great. Brother May speaks eloquently on simple New Testament language, non-denominational terminology, and uh, this is about as good as he's ever done it. So I think this is a great way to end the episode. I am a Christian. I am a disciple of Christ. I seek to learn from him and follow him, but I am not a disciple of Christ. I am a Methodist. I try to follow the biblical method, but I am not a Methodist. I am a Baptist. I have been immersed in water for the forgiveness of my sins, but I am not a Baptist. I am Catholic. Christ added me to his universal church, but I am not a Catholic. I am a part of an assembly of God. We assemble each Lord's Day, but I am not of the assemblies of God. I am Presbyterian. My congregation is shepherded by elders, Greek presbyteroi, but I am not a Presbyterian. I am Episcopalian. My congregation is overseen by bishops, Greek episkopoi, but I am not an Episcopalian. I am a member of a congregation which is Christian and independent, but I am not of the independent Christian church. I am a member of the Church of Christ. He built it and purchased it with his blood, but I am not Church of Christ. I am a member of the Church of God. He purposed it before the worlds began, but I am not Church of God. By the grace of God, I am a Christian.